Welcome to Mr. Rewatch, your Mr. Robot recap show, brought to you by a stand-up comedian and a depressive hacker, and today also by an audio producer. I'm Aaron. I'm Devlin. And I'm Dave. In our efforts to produce some content between seasons, we've actually worked on a short um, but really interesting crossover series with some of the other Mr. Robot podcasters and recappers out there. So we're doing today just a kind of high-level view of the things we liked and didn't like about season three, and then we're going to talk a little bit about our predictions for season four. Now, keep listening to this series, and you can also hear what our colleagues out there in Robot Nation thought about these very same questions. So this is fun to kind of take a look back at the season that's just happened. Overall, I really like this season. Yeah, me too. How do you think that it compares to one and two particularly? I like that it was a different show, just like how one and two were a different show. The only other show I know that changes itself so dramatically each season is The Mindy Project, where every season you're like, oh, here's what the show's about now. I feel like I like season three and then one and then two right now. I think that I like season one the most still. It's going to be hard to top that one. I don't know. I liked two. I thought there was a lot of like really good storytelling in two that I don't think really existed in one because one was so focused on kind of the main plot of the show, whereas two was like, oh, here are what the characters are about. Yeah, I can definitely agree with that. And that's been some of the criticism that people had for season two, actually, because it was kind of more um, like character focused and the pacing felt kind of slow for that reason. But especially when you're able to watch it kind of uh, binge mode, that's a little more tolerable. Yeah, I'm not a season two hater by any means. I still really enjoy that season. And people tend to have very strong feelings about that one uh, in particular. I suppose we should mention that today is the first day we are actually recording remotely in three different cities. Oh, hey, yeah, I didn't think um, that we were in three different cities. We are, because it's Canada, and it's winter, and it sucks to leave the house. So, <laughs> you know. Uh, and I was just thinking, too, like, maybe maybe our listeners don't realize that we actually all live in different cities. Oh, yeah, there's, like, so much travel involved in making this podcast. So this could really uh, change the game up for us. So let's talk about season three. So I thought, you know, let's start with the highlights. Like, what were what were the best parts of this one for you folks? The long take episode, I feel, is the example that most people are going to point to just because it was kind of, um, it, it was something you didn't really expect from the show. Although it was um, like a cinem- cinematographic masterpiece, is that a word? <laughs> but it wasn't really um, like what the show has come to be known for. I, my, my favorite part of the season was any scene with Irving in it. I fell in love with this character and that's just it. Like I'm going to talk about him a lot for the rest of this recording. <laughs> So I also have the one shot episode as one of my favorite moments. And I also, I think I really enjoyed um, Angela's story arc and Tyrell's story arc, which is kind of interesting because they were not characters that really spoke to me in the earlier seasons. But the Tyrell episode is actually one of my favorites this year too. It was nice to get some closure on Tyrell's storylines because I think that a lot of that Questions that they posed in season two didn't get answered until season three. I like that he's like not as in control as I thought he was. You could say that about like anybody in the show. And I think that's what's so interesting about it because Tyrell, like he's living, he's living a very particular script, right? And all of that gets put completely off the rails in this season. And I think he has to learn how to be a different person. But Devlin, you said something really useful, I think, because I think this season, the other seasons ask a lot of questions. This one answers a lot of questions. And I think it makes the chaos 
in this universe seem more orderly because we have that information. And so I don't know if they thought the show was going to be finished after this season, but it seems to me like they tried to close off a lot of things that we want that we wondered about. Oh yeah, absolutely. I think um, the finale, I get the impression that it would have worked just as well as the series finale. And I think the news that it was renewed came quite late. I don't know if it just came late to the public. So I'm not sure if they thought that might have to serve as a series finale or not. But I think you're right. I think it would it would work. It would have closed up enough of the story. And so we've kind of talked about the things we liked about season three. What are people's least favorite moments? I kind of know what mine is. The moment I like kind of wrote down was um, I I thought the whole Pierce being uh, Angela's dad was really played out. And like, I don't think their conversation was as earth shattering as it should have been. Yeah. Although maybe if I hadn't spoiled it for you, it would have had a more, uh, more feel to it. <laughs> well, you didn't really, sp- like you definitely put the idea in my head, but you didn't spoil anything. I'm glad to see it that you way. Know? I just, I don't believe in spoilers first off. And second off, you didn't know the actual, Yeah. you didn't know that for sure. There actually was a study that showed that spoilers didn't negatively affect people's impressions of TV shows and stuff like that. Devil, what about you? Did you have that same moment? I think um, my least favorite moment was how they handled Joanna in this season. I think that they probably could have got a lot more like thematic value out of the end of her character arc. But I also, like, just generally speaking, I would have liked for her to stick around longer. It's interesting because everything you two say, I'm like, oh, I also I also didn't love that. But uh, <laughs> for me, because I went back and I rewatched um, a few key episodes, I didn't like how I thought this whole season was going to have a really sci-fi bent. I was going to say that too, actually, but I wasn't sure if it was more of like um, a theme throughout the season that I wasn't a big fan of. Although I am kind of coming around to it more than um, when they first kind of floated that idea. Well, you know what's interesting? When I rewatched the first episode, like it's so stylized and so out there, it actually is kind of cool. So I wonder if, I don't know, but it eventually it was, I think I got tired of waiting for the will they or won't they with the time travel piece. So that was kind of my least favorite, but I like the way they redirected it. So in a way, I guess they turned it around where, you know, they kind of let us down one path and there was a bit of a, a swerve. And I think I liked how they handled that because that also feeds into how Angela's character, you know, kind of develops and comes into awareness of all that's happened. I never bought into the time travel stuff. I th- we've definitely talked about this while we were doing the show last year, but I was just, I never like, you know, I just let you guys talk about it. I just, I don't, I never bought it. I never thought it was going to be a real part of the show. Even when they're doing that tour and they're talking about time travel? Oh, absolutely. They spent like the whole season talking about it. I think the question was just if it was a red herring or not. Yeah, fair, fair. I, I, obviously it was, right? <laughs> but Well, one hopes so, because it's still kind of, I think that they still could raise that question. Uh, I don't, I don't think they're going to get to like sci-fi uh, at any point. Yeah, I definitely am thinking that more and more after the last episode where Price kind of um, spelled out that White Rose is just delusional. But it makes me wonder, like, what is White Rose's endgame here then? I know, there's so much still to be revealed, right? So thinking now, um, I know, Dave, you already mentioned Irving, but I'm curious because every season I seem to have a different favorite character in the show. Um, Who are your favorites this year? I actually like, I, I like serving, but I think that he took up a lot of space that was previously inhabited by Dom and Darlene, who are characters who I sort of prefer. 
So I would have liked to see more of them and less of Irving, but Irving still was a pretty good addition to the cast, I think. Yeah, I like a big part of why I really liked him was his op- like the opening. Is it? The, yeah, it's the opening scene of episode one, right? Where he's uh, at the red wheelbarrow and he's got the the mm-hmm. free milkshake coupon, and she's like, "No, for your next order." That whole conversation as he gets the phone call, I thought it was just it was just amazing. I was like, this character literally doesn't care about anything but his job and his morals, and that's like it. And I I don't know. There's something. Something about the way he conducted himself, how he always dressed the same, looked the same. Uh, it just really appealed to me. How did you feel about uh, Santiago's development this season? I think that I want to call out here that Dave had foreseen how that would turn out like from the very beginning. Yeah, we, we did not believe you. <laughs> <laughs> well, why would you? It came like completely out of left field. Yeah. But yeah, good call, though. <laughs> yeah, it's actually, uh, I was going to write down for my, my least favorite character of the season was Santiago because... <laughs> Uh, I just never liked him as a character. I didn't think he was a good character, and I thought he was always going to be used to push a negative plot point, which he was. Uh, so I loved the scene where he died. <laughs> Do you think that he was good at being a bad character, though? Because I think that if you like the scene that he died in, then he did a good job. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, the actor did a phenomenal job. That's that's without you question. Know what, though? I have a bit of a change of heart about him, you know, as we as his actual story is revealed to us where, you know, I think if you think about, Hey, what would I do faced with that choice? And once you see that choice offered to Dom, you know, you, it made me empathize with him in a way I didn't um, prior to this episode. Yeah. They spend a lot of time trying to make you kind of um, like see him more as a human toward the end of the season. I think just because otherwise he would have been a little too one dimensional like Dave was getting at. It was, it was, yeah, exactly. You think it was too little, too late? Oh, absolutely. It was, yeah, like you, you spend two seasons making you hate this guy, and you spend two episodes being like, oh, he's just human. He has a mother, too. Like, compared, compared to other <laughs> characters, they, they straight up just murdered other characters out of the blue. Like, <laughs> so, yeah, I was, I was stoked to see him gone. Um, and thank God this is just a story and not real life, or else that would be horrible. Yeah. I have to say the character that interests me most this year is really kind of Angela's rise and fall. Where, you know, she starts off and she seems so competent and so capable and so invested in her sort of new evil role. And then how that's all ripped away from her. I think the acting is terrific. Um, and just just the way that we see everything fall apart on her. I just I that character really interests me a lot. I thought they did a lot with Angela. And in contrast, because I agree, Devlin, that. I really love Dom and Darlene as characters, and I think they were they they wasted a lot of opportunities with them this season. Like I really would have liked to have seen more from them, and I'm really worried that they burned Darlene for the fourth season. Like I'm not sure what they're going to do now. So I have a bit of a question about Darlene too, which is um, what had ever come out of the Susan Jacobs thing? Because it seems like that was just like a plot point that was kind of dropped. Like, was she ever going to be prosecuted for it? Yeah, I have a feeling that like sometime down the road that will make a reappearance. Oh, interesting, because they never mention it, so you don't know that it's part of her immunity deal or any of that, right? Yeah, and we saw on the um like the minds map or whatever in the season two finale that they just consider her to be missing at this point. Oh, so they don't even know she's dead. Yeah, exactly. Oh, but they know her. Huh. They they know her apartment was used, don't they? Didn't. Oh yeah, they must. They do. Oh, yeah. Well, but did they take the body elsewhere, though? 
they used the yeah, they burned some, yeah they yeah oh that's right so should they yeah they know that f society used the house but she's just missing so whatever their suspicion might be nothing has come of it yet oh yeah she's coming back up next season that's for sure i hope so because i don't want to see her just be a device to further elliot's story well a lot of us were convinced that darlene was going to die this season too right i think that they were kind yeah, of trying true. to i thought that they were trying to guide us in that direction a bit yeah, I thought she was at some point she was going to get taken out. Ah, uh, the old Mister Robot misdirect. <laughs> no, it's true though. Like there was somebody, my mind changes thirteen times on any particular theory during the course of a season. Oh, the worst is rewatching it because you're just like, okay, never mind. <laughs> you'll have like <laughs> one opinion your first first watch through, and you'll watch it again. And you'll pick up stuff that you didn't really realize before, and you'll just change your mind about it. Aaron, you'd spoken a bit about Angel earlier. Do you want to talk about um, stage two and how that went off? Oh, well, of course, because we're, I think the audience and Angela are lulled into a similar sense of security, right? That everything is going to be okay and the order is going to be restored to the universe. And then, of course, Angela has the belief that people are going to rise from the dead and it's going to be a more metaphysical sort of a thing. But of course, it doesn't go down like that because instead thousands and thousands of people die and she has a complete and utter breakdown, I think, when she realizes the truth of it. Yeah, I wonder what was in that bag from Red Wheelbarrow. I think that we still don't know that. I don't think we do know that. And I've always wondered that because that's that that's the moment of revelation where you can see everything in her body kind of change. <laughs> and no, but like just her expression. She doesn't say a word, but you know she knows. I was thinking about something that a joke from a show that I think that you like a lot. Um, it, it could be Parks and Rec. And it's when Amy Poehler says that she, um, like, ate a brownie once, and then she felt like she was, um, like, on cloud nine or whatever for a while, but it turned out it was just a really good brownie. So I'm imagining now that maybe whatever was in the bag was just, like, real tasty. And this, <laughs> I, I bet so it was just, just a burger. Yeah. Just, like, a regular burger <laughs> or something. Like a really good burger. Yeah. <laughs> Or a milkshake. She got that free <laughs> milkshake. I don't know. <laughs> um, so let's talk about now. I mean, I think it's sometimes hard. I mean, we're all serious fans, and I assume the listeners are too. But to think about, you know, what we what we didn't like so much about a season or flaws that we found in it. Any thoughts on that? Uh, well, we were talking a bit about that potential sci-fi twist. And like I was saying, I think that it might still make a reappearance. But that was a theme that I didn't really enjoy that much, especially toward the beginning of the season. I think that nearer to the end, it's not so much a concern. I think for me, um, I don't. And uh, one of the uh, the other folks on the crossovers ha- cited this as well. But I don't understand the purpose of having us understand that Elliot jumped out of that window instead of Mr. Robot pushing him out. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. I think that I noted when we watched that episode that it kind of felt like it was a twist just for a twist's sake. I think. Yeah, like or it changes the way you view both characters quite a lot but and maybe it will be revealed to me right but at this point it just it's incongruent and it it doesn't make any sense like i just don't and mr robot also knows that he held that belief so i just don't get it and it irritates me i I think it's a narrative device i think it's used so that we they can reintroduce mr robot in a more positive light instead of like a battle between the two of them there's gonna be a more symbiotic relationship so when you have the understanding that Elliot actually did it to himself, and the resentment he holds is actually with holding the secret of his father, like his father's imminent death. Mm-hmm. Like that's what he really holds in deep. That's what he's really resentful about. 
uh, not the fact that his father pushed him out a window. That combined with the fact that it's revealed Mr. Robot stored the encryption keys for the 5-9 recovery thing, I think that they're going to try and make him be a more heroic character in the next season. So this is part of, kind of like a rehabilitation almost of that character. Yeah. That... Image rehabilitation. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. They got his crisis management team out, and um, this is the campaign they're doing. <laughs> but um, the other moment that I really hated, and I understand why it had to happen for the story, was I really miss Trenton, and I wish she were still. Oh in the yeah, show. and Trenton and Mobley, they both. I feel like they were just a, a pair that works really well together. That's true. You know, I don't know. Uh, yeah, that's true. I, I, it's too bad that a lot of the, like the original F Society crew has been picked off because I think they were all great characters. But I, you know, I understand why that has to happen in the story as it's unfolding. Well, you know what's funny? It was uh, I, I was watching Pulp Fiction all week because I thought that's what we were doing today. <laughs> it's good to watch it anyway. Uh, but so the thing I noticed was the way they just like indiscriminately just kill off characters, just like. And Tarantino does this all the time in all of his movies, where you you kind of fall in love with the character, and then like boom, they're Did gone. Did you think of Marvin when Santiago shot the the cop who arrested Tyrell? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, not really. The thing I the only parallel I picked up the closest, which I'm going to talk about more when we do that episode, uh, is that Vincent is exactly like the hitman version of Elliot. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> Yeah, I'll get into it. Save it for the save it for the it. episode. That's, that's, save I'm it for sick. the episode. That's juicy enough. Like, yeah, I just baited everybody. <laughs> so now listen to that episode. Um, I think I think overall the season was missing a ton of Leon that it could have really benefited from. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, you'd always benefit from more Leon. Like, everybody loves would, Leon, and it, it it did suck that like his main role in this season was to literally deliver Trenton and Mobley to get murdered. <laughs> Yeah, I guess actually I had a better idea of his character in season two than season three, I think. Now I kind of question what his motivation really is. I, I don't. He think... seems to me like a mercenary at this point. Like, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if he's got like an Irving-like indentured servant kind of thing going on or if he, you know, just like does he choose to do this to earn a paycheck like i can't figure that out about him i think it's just that he's very charismatic that makes him likable because yeah we don't necessarily like the things the character does have we heard season. anything about when the actor stare at the eclipse is he okay that i'm talking about <laughs> i think i think yeah i think, Joey I think he posted doing a right. statement saying he was fine <laughs> yeah i think he's doing all right so now maybe let's look forward for a couple of minutes. So when we think about what's coming the next season. So first, we all know that I'm really lousy at predictions. So I'm, I've kind of opened it up as, you know, predictions <laughs> or wishes, you know, things we hope we'll see in season four, because I'm way better at, uh, at uh, that. <laughs> so you know how I had said that they kind of wrapped up everything nicely at the end of the season three finale? I don't have any idea where they're going in season four, because I feel like there's not even like a thread to tug on. It's true because everything's t kind of tied up with a bow, like not the way we usually get left at the end of a season. Um, but what I'm most excited for, and I think this will happen regardless of what happens in the bigger story, is that I think this is going to lead to a very complex and nuanced plot for Dom. So I'm kind of excited to see what Grace Gummer can do, given I think a more complicated storyline and now that she's got a dual allegiance so i think i'm really excited for that just because it means we're going to get more of that character do you think that there are going to be any major character deaths in the next season 
I feel like there have to be almost well, like they don't yes. spare us. You know, it, they've killed off a lot of people this it's season. It's gonna be Darlene. I think it has to be Darlene or Dom, actually. Like they could get rid of Dom once her once the plot line with her getting caught up in the Dark Army is exhausted. So, Dave, we haven't heard from you yet what your prediction for season four is. Uh it's it's a pretty abstract prediction, but um I believe that Elliot will be uh confined against his will outside of the United States for at least one episode. Really? Yeah, and I wrote down either the Congo or China. I'm interested to see some of the Congo stuff start to take shape. Yeah, because that's how they ended the season, right? Was just getting the shipment to the Congo and everything was fine. So here's my my one other wish, and I think you're going to like it. I hope that the producers of the show will release Beach Towel, Irving's novel. I really think yeah. they should get that printed. And and an audiobook read by <gasps> the character, who yes! the actor who plays Irving. That's exactly what we need. That's what the world needs now. I bet that's what they're going to spend most of the off-season doing. Writing this book and getting the audio recording made. Is it just Sam Esmail who writes the episodes, or does he have like a team of writers? There must be a team. Yeah, someone someone must have been tasked with that. <laughs> well, so that brings us to the end of our season three recap and some of our season four predictions. You can listen to future episodes uh, from all of our colleagues out there uh, in Robot Nation who will also give their uh, their theories and their takes on this past season. So thank you for listening to Mr. Rewatch. We recorded today in Toronto, Guelph, and Hamilton, Ontario, simultaneously. So from all of us here at Mr. Rewatch, bonsoir. <laughs>